This season of The Ready State is sponsored by Territory Foods. You guys know that show called Nailed It? You know, where they people make ridiculous looking foods. So I use Instagram sometimes for inspiration. I'm seeing all these, these beautiful meals. I, I love Sprinter van build outs too. That's my kind of second thing. But sometimes I go to the store. I'm like, this is it. We're going to have salads and bespoke lunches. Juliet and I are going to kill it. And then it looks and like. And then our actual life sets in. Yeah, and it looks like a salad bag with some kind of lame protein. Yeah, so if you are a busy parent or a person who doesn't have time to do meal prep on Sunday, like we do not have, Territory Foods will save your life. And here's the key, is that when you heat this up, it's so simple. You've got a complete whole food, amazing, gourmet spread. So instead of, you know, it's like, I mean, let's be honest. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I see you've made a meal, and, and I'm like, oh, that's... That's white rice, broccoli, and a rubber chicken breast. I think you can do better, people. There is the internet. We've been to the moon. The the meals are all healthy and ready to eat and organic, locally sourced, made by local chefs. You really can't go wrong with territory meals. And nor can you get bored. So cure your boredom. Take care of your business. And if you are interested in getting 25 bucks off your first two orders of Territory Foods, go to www.territoryfoods.com slash yum, Y-U-M slash the ready state. So it's not two yums. It's slash yum slash the ready state. Hey, everyone. I'm Dr. Kelly Starrett. And I'm Juliette Starrett. And this is The Ready State. You got it. You better stop it. You got it. We're so happy to have Mike Minium on the podcast. Mike's coaching career started when he was only 14, coaching adults and kids in tennis. He played competitive tennis through college, but never strayed too far from coaching, eventually focusing on general strength and conditioning. Mike discovered CrossFit in 2003 and was amazed at the impact it had on his fitness. He got his level one certification in 2004, immediately started coaching others, and in 2005 co-founded CrossFit Oakland, the first CrossFit gym in the Bay Area. Kelly and I started San Francisco CrossFit not long after Mike started CrossFit Oakland, and we essentially became sister gyms in those early years. I think you'll enjoy hearing Mike's story about how he got into CrossFit. Welcome to the Ready State Podcast, Mike. We're so happy to have you. It's great being here. Thanks for having me. Long time no speak. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I tell you, one of the reasons it's so fun to have you on is people don't realize that Mobility Wad and all our work was launched at your gym. Well, that's true. I know. You were, we were your guinea pigs. <laughs> yeah. So for those of you who weren't, um, for those those listeners who weren't there, why don't, why don't you tell us what, what Kelly was doing in the early days over there at CrossFit Oakland? When was that? 2008, was it? Yeah, or even 2007, it, it might have been. 2007, yeah, it was that far back. I remember it was just right around, uh, yeah, in that location. We're in a different location now. But anyway, um, so we've always been in contact with Kelly. Actually, Kelly, side, sidebar, do you remember the first time we met? I was thinking about this the other day. You probably do not, and it was not in the East Bay. This is a quiz, Kels. No, I He don't. does have a really good memory, but yeah. let's hear it. So... So the part that I can't remember is whether it was in like Bonzel or in uh, wherever the Martins are, whatever. Um, you, you, I was kind of helping out. Oh, like Ramona? Seminar. Yeah, Ramona. I was helping out the seminar staff and you came down to your first 
I don't even know if it was level one back then, but yeah, it, it was level one. Yeah. And, uh, I, I can't even remember who I was hanging out with. I was hanging out with someone. And then of course you jump right in and you're like, Hey, I did Fran last week. What do you think about Fran? Fran's a crazy workout. <laughs> and like, I, did, I think you were like, you and Juliet were living together and maybe it was in your basement or something. I didn't quite understand. You were talking like a mile a minute, like you always do. And, uh, I was like, who is this guy who won't talk and I already know more about him in like five minutes than most people know about me in a couple hours and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> he had a lasting impression. Anyway, you, you were talking about Fran a lot. So anyway, it was down there in uh, Southern California. That was when we first met. And there's a picture of us somewhere out there. Well, that's because we, we did backwards running Fran. That was and, what we did. And like it took Kelly and I like 25 minutes to do Fran the first time we did it or something. <laughs> Pretty much. And you know, we, um, when we opened the gym, uh, you know, you were, you affiliated before us, but you were, you owned East Bay. You were the only game in town in East Bay. And one of the things that's really remarkable was how early on I feel like you guys got the memo about movement efficiency, you know, movement economy. And you had more than, I think it was, it was so early in the game series, um, around CrossFit that you guys had this legendary Oakland team for just <laughs> the most monstrous athletes of all time. Yeah. That was back in the early days, the, uh, the protozoan days of, uh, CrossFit. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that, that was fun. It was fun. It really didn't, we didn't, we never have, and we still don't really program for the games or that's not a focus of our gym, but it just kind of, uh, I don't know. We had some people who are very passionate about the sport and, some made like big, big headway, like, you know, Candace uh, Hester, as she's called now, back then Candace Hamilton. You did some work with her as she was leading up to her games thing. We have a lot of masters athletes, but really that's not even the focus. But yeah, so going back to the original question before I did a sidebar, um, we were fortunate enough to have you, like we met very early on. I remember you came and visited us one time when we had just opened up and I, there were all kinds of ideas as as you're wont to do that we're brewing in your head. And we really wanted to kind of leverage that and take advantage of that and also collaborate with you. And so you would come over and do really the, the early kind of prototype for what became your uh, mobility wad seminars. And like you've gone off in way different directions and refined it, but those were kind of like how you, uh, how you started. I like yeah, to think I, of our relationship as the giving tree, Mike, um, and yeah. I'm just the stump now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like he, um, am I not mistaken that Kelly would also go over there and set up his table for like six or seven hours and see clients there? and 10 hours. Or 10 hours, and, and I feel like that actually is, you know, was part of the reason he was inspired to start the pain cave. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, uh, it was really unusual. Uh, I was leaving the, the stone clinic and you, I said, Hey, I, you know, could I come over? And I just started putting one day a week in and you, uh, strangely, we had a lot of people who couldn't put their arms over their head or scroll all the way down. And I was like, this is genius. <laughs> yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah. Uh, we had a common, um, client. You had that, um, who saw you at, at stone clinic and then he did sessions with me. And I think that was kind of a common link too. Great. So I'm going to go way back into the dawn of time now and ask you how you first became cross sort of your like CrossFit origin story. You know, how did you hear about it? Start doing it yourself. Um, when did you affiliate? Why did you affiliate? Sure. Sure, it's sure. a really 12 part question. 
so I, I kind of followed CrossFit in 2002, just from, just lurked. Um, I was part of this Art Devaney email list, and there's this guy, Rob Wolf, who always, always posted about it. I'm kind of by nature, I'm a skeptic. And so I didn't, I didn't really think that something like that could work. And then in 2003, I kind of just started following the website. I didn't really do the workouts that much. But um, my mom, she was living in Santa Cruz. And it's all because my mom broke her ankle and had seven pins in surgery. So she, she broke her ankle. She has three kids. I'm one of them. Hence, she's my mother. Um, <laughs> and we, tra- we, we traded off. I was up in the East Bay, but we traded off spending like a week with her because she was totally incapacitated. And back then there was no affiliate. There was just the original gym in Santa Cruz. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go buy this place and see if they're for real or whatever. And so I met the Glassmans there and then they kind of, I spent about a week training there and then I guess it just went from there. And then in 2004, I think I finally got my level one. And then in 2005, I opened up the, the gym. And sort of what, what were you thinking at the time you opened the gym? And the reason I asked this question is certainly when Kelly and I opened San Francisco CrossFit, it was like, this is fun. We love CrossFit. Let's open this as a hobby so our friends can come and do it. And we don't have to do it in our backyard and make our neighbors mad. Um, you know, did you think it was going to be a big yeah, viable business? Did you think business? it was like uh, going to be a business? And I assume you I did, still had another job at that time. Um, let's see. When I opened the gym, no. When I opened the gym, I it, I I had quit my day job. So I um, from two thousand three, and then through two thousand five, I was coaching people part time, and then kind of building building a, a business in that sense. And then in 2005, when I finally opened it, I, I just went all in and I didn't know if it was going to be viable, but I, I'm the type of person who is all or nothing. So I just, I just went for it. All or nothing, minium. That's so, it's so the truth. That's what everyone describes you. Do you know what number affiliate you were? Uh, I just know I'm in the first 30. I think I was 24 or so. I, I don't remember. And I don't know where I've been on that website now. And I don't know where to look for that information. It used to be listed in like chronological order. But yeah, I think I was 24. Let me ask you this. Because when we started, it felt like you guys were a sister to us. Totally, yeah. We, you, we shared resources. We shared coaches. We shared friends and athletes. In fact, one of the things that we did a lot was we got together and competed as gyms. Yeah, we did a lot of things. Uh, we when we, because you guys had a lot of success getting to the games early too. And we would do. I remember, I vividly remember coming over there, and you guys did kind of like a a pre games friendly throwdown. It was just between us and you guys. And I remember dragging sleds out on. Uh, we had like on a the, like a mile sled drag exactly, on Chrissy Field. Exactly. <laughs> we just destroyed people. Exactly. Yeah, because of the. <laughs> great programming we did back then <laughs> but yeah i remember all those it, it was it was i mean everyone is always i mean this cuts across domains and disciplines like the um the garage bands that start up and then they become big and then like that feeling is lost kind of but we definitely had that that feeling in do, do you feel like you're more sound garden or yeah. like pearl jam uh yeah i'm gonna say Soundgarden since i saw them open for public enemy 
as a freshman at UC Santa Barbara. Oh, it's so good. Like, that was a great show. I'm telling you. So let me ask you, I mean, looking now at the East Bay and around, I mean, the landscape has totally changed. It's yeah. How, yeah. how, yeah, how is about that? Tell us about that. What do you, what do you think? Just being so old school, I mean, I what think does that feel like? If I could just interject, I mean, when we started and I know when you started, it was like some Globo gyms, some yoga studios, and then, you know, a couple Us. random CrossFit. Yeah, we had this big moat. Uh, this uh, no one else was doing doing CrossFit. So I think it, I think it's great. I think it's great, really. Um, and I know, I actually that's not even true. I know a lot of the I know probably like the first five people who who opened up gyms in the East Bay. And now I I, I don't. It's because you trained them. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but uh, it's just to me. CrossFit and even gyms, not CrossFit affiliates, they're all doing similar stuff, which is a good thing because the word is out that, you know, functional movements, blah, 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 you know, all the, the movement quality focus on that. Um, I don't know how to, how, how to put it. It's such a, a brand now and I've never kind of operated in that mindset, but, um, it is pretty crazy, though. I mean, do you remember the days where, you know, people you'd say you do CrossFit or own a CrossFit? Oh, I know. Would, like twist their head to the side yeah. and say, you know, if they knew about it, they thought you were a weirdo. Right. And most people didn't know about it. You know, now um, it's just ubiquitous. It is. Yeah. I, I have um, I have friends who do um, who are not CrossFitters, but they say they do on like Monday and Wednesday, they do bodybuilding and on Tuesday and Thursday, they do CrossFit and whatever that means to them. (laughs) (laughs) You guys have been around for a long time and seen a lot of iterations of your staff and you you have multiple facilities. You must be doing something right. And the question is, if you look back, what are, what do you think are the things that made you successful that you had in place from the start? That's the, that's the A question. What'd you get right? Well, I mean, I think, I don't know how I always try and describe this Uh, behind the scenes. I'm very clinical, but I don't want the gym to feel like a clinic. So it's always been, I don't want people to turn into fitness bots. I, I try and try and keep it as, as human an environment as possible. Like if you come into our gym, um, well, it'll be like a stand-up comedy hour during like the first five minutes of the warm-up. I just want people like joking around, interacting. I think it's just the the connection. And you know, there's more and more about that. Um, people are really keen on movement, on nutrition. That stuff's getting pretty dialed. Sleep, the lifestyle, but it's the social piece. We're kind of. I just went to a. Actually, I just went to a. Sorry, I go off on a lot of tangents. I went to a couple. Uh, I went to a benefit dinner for this organization that helps homeless teens and they're talking about how we're all wired and like the biggest problem they see is that obviously they're homeless they don't have anyone around them that they suffer all kinds of usually mental health issues because they're not connected to anyone and I think we I think that was something that we hit on early on and it was just it was the way that our gym works second piece is movement quality and then third piece is um coaching quality those would be the the three things that I, I would say. And I mean, I don't, uh, you know, I know you also run a tight ship from a business standpoint. Um, you know, I think early on you're like, this is a business. 
and I'm going to run it like a business. Yeah, it, <laughs> you know, it, it as took a, a while. It took a while <laughs> to get there, but yeah, definitely. And we've had some help along the way um, from people. Uh, give a shout out to Craig Patterson. He's helped yeah. a little bit. Um, it's just an understanding that probably if you're doing group, well, you certainly understand you have, you have something way beyond group classes, but if you're doing group classes only, it's going to be a tough road. You need to have some sort of, additional train training layers as, as a professional coach to make it happen and as a business to make it happen. How so, do you, how do you think the gym has changed over the years and sort of your perspective on it has changed over the years? Um, these days I'm just very, uh, so I'll, I'll fast forward to now. I'm very thankful and grateful. I kind of took it for granted, but now, um, I'm so thankful that I've had, I've made so many friendships and that I have this community because I'm, as you guys know, I'm kind of like an extreme introvert and mm -hmm. I have too many interactions with people. I, I feel worse than like doing Fran five times in a row. <laughs> um, or go, or go our first conversation when I blew your hair back. That's right. That's right. <laughs> what little hair I had then. You um, had your hat pulled down over your eyes and were barely make eye contact with me. That's right. That's correct. Um, so, but I am so grateful because as a introvert, I probably, probably would have never met all these great people. And so how I think of it now is kind of just like the cheers, like if you want to go there where everybody knows your name, it's a great place to go. And we're making people healthier and I'm, I'm along for the ride. I'm getting healthier. But um, one of the big changes is obviously the, the CrossFit games. And now that's changing again. But um, a lot of people it's always the discussion around, well, so-and-so, Rich Froning, they do all these workouts. I think I need to do all these workouts <laughs> to, to get healthy and well. And honestly, people don't really know what they want oftentimes. They just want to look better and feel better. And they just assume that because games athletes do 57 workouts a day that that they should be doing the same thing. So that's been a big change, and it's a constant conversation. Um, Another way it's changed, obviously, is the awareness of CrossFit just generally, uh, which we already discussed. People come into the gym already knowing at least a, a little bit about the program. Um, but honestly, the sense of community and the connection there among members, that's been the same from the get-go. I mean, it's a, it's a tight group. We, we form tight little, well, tight little meta groups like the evening crew, the morning crew. Yeah, the or, nooners. Yeah, exactly. The nooners. Yeah. What we, do you what do you think we got terribly wrong in the start? Like if we could go back in time and you and I put our heads together and and counsel our our young selves, younger selves, our more haired selves, what would you say, Mike? Um back off on the intensity from the get-go. Uh that'd be one. The second thing is just more business savvy, more more business chops, um figuring out being selective in the coaches that you choose and choosing maybe one or two really great coaches who want to succeed and may earn and living in that and then invest in them. And then for me personally, I didn't, I tried to do too much on my own and I didn't, I didn't get into coach development for too long. And um, that was a big oversight on my part. So Definitely understand that there are people around you who can help and definitely understand that you can't do it all yourself and understand that you're not the best at all aspects of the business. 
people need people need people people need help coaches need coaches etc yeah you know i do for years i've been doing some very informal business coaching with crossfit gym owners yeah and one of my biggest pieces of advice is that you have to develop self-awareness <laughs> sure. um, about what you can and can't do from a business standpoint. And then you have to be real clear with yourself about that and then hire where you have identified that you do not have strength. Absolutely. Um, you know, so we, we all sort of figured that out over time. Um, but now yeah. I think for the, the ones that are opening CrossFit gyms now, you know, they have so many more resources available. That's we true. just had to, you know, it was trial and error for all of us. For sure. I, on everything, on the business end, on the coaching end, all that stuff is very practice driven um, process, which is, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but you're probably going to have a lot more. It's more like the tech industry. You're going to have a lot of failures early and the ones that succeed are the ones who simply figured out the stuff sooner, sooner rather than later. But yeah. Or, or had an iron will. Exactly. You, uh, I, my physio school used to be really close to your first location ever. That little funny yeah. spot. And I would swing by in between I classes. Yeah. I have to ask this question because we were over in Oakland and we drove past your spot. Yeah. Right? I think so, it's like a, a clothing shop or something now. Yeah. I don't know what it is. And, uh, I thought to myself, whatever happened to the door chime pull-up bar <laughs> yeah the, oh, you remember that one can yeah. you explain we're, what that is as well oh yeah i'm i have my old man get off my lawn moments and i was so tired <laughs> of people like uh shorting on pull-ups and <laughs> we put this like we tried to just, you know like when you walk through a door and that thing char chimes when you when you break the plane so we put up a it's like the silliest idea but it's, it's funny it cracks me up we put up a chime across the plane of the top of the pull-up bar and it would go off whenever someone would do it would get their chin over the bar it was hilarious but, so but, like each time they would go up it yes, would chime but the, but the thing that we didn't realize was that like kipping has such a fast rate that like if you were kipping it would like be chiming and you'd be back up over the bar while it was still finishing it's a first chime it was hilarious <laughs> And I mean, you said, um, I don't know what word you use, but are you saying you did this for those people who are cheating? Yeah. Uh, I use the word cheating on yeah. their number of reps. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's hilarious. So I call CrossFit, I mean, it's definitely the sport of fitness and the games have, have really, we have seen movement quality go through the roof of the games and what people are doing. But I always do try to remember, remind our normal athletes, pull-ups aren't a sport. It's exactly. very unpopular around here, but I'm like, it's a way of training for sports. It's not yeah. a sport. So you're only cheating yourself. I just, just lay it on them. We don't need a door chime. You're just For only sure. cheating yourself. For sure. Yeah. But that's a great coaching cue. More chime. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I got a question. Uh, one of the things I miss from the early days is the, the way that we could just program and we were not required. We we started off for years, and I don't know whether you always posted your program, but for years we would just keep our program to ourselves, and people would show up and have to sort of you know eat what we served. Um, and then we realized that basically we were the only gym on earth that didn't post our programming ahead of time. Um, did you always advance post your programming, or did you have a phase like us where you know people just had to come and do whatever you know? Because now we have all these you know we have part A, part B, part C, and yeah. you know people are studying it in advance. And if you know we run out of time, people are upset that they miss part C because they saw it on the website. And I don't know. I just wanted to hear your history and perspective on that. 
Yeah, and like that very first um, place where um, Kelly ran into us, we did not. But ever since then, we have. We don't. We don't post it that. We just post it the night before. It's not too far in advance. But I don't know. I guess because it's just a common practice, and we just get so much belly aching if people. It's like they're gonna like die if they don't know what the workout is. So we just appease <laughs> them, and then they can go on Instagram and look at like 57 videos on how to do a clean the between then and uh, coming into the gym. So whatever floats their boat. Um, You're still one of the most, I would, I would put you in one of the most successful CrossFit owners. You've been just quietly successful in the East Bay forever. And Oakland, I mean, let's be honest, is the coolest town in America right now, pretty much. Right. And you guys, you guys had Oaklandia shirts in the, in like, like 15 years ago, I feared Oaklandish. Yeah. Oak Tucky. Is that better, Lisa? And, um, you know, and now we got the Warriors. I know, well, right? You guys have the Warriors. San Francisco has the Warriors. Yes, we're taking them as of next year. Yeah, that's all San Francisco is good for is usurping like good uh, East Bay ideas. I've never poached a single one of your coaches ever. <laughs> but um, they can't afford to so live in San Francisco. The question is, you, we hear people try, you know, we, we have seen kind of peak cross that we would call it in like 2012 it was just yeah, madhouse. exactly and then we now are competing with soul cycle and base boot camp i mean there's just so yeah, many studios uh, but we've also seen the wave come back where people weren't getting what they needed and i don't think juliet and i ever stopped crossfitting have you do you st- i mean you own crossfits do you yeah. still crossfit mike i do yeah that's that's what i do uh-huh i use it <laughs> as the um I recently started, I played tennis in college and I went back to, I was fortunate enough to go to Paris a couple of years ago with my wife and went to the French Open and um, I picked up a racket after that. So I use CrossFit kind of, you understand, I started CrossFit in 2003, it was four years before the first game. So I use it as a way to stay healthy for tennis basically you mean the original the exactly. original purpose i know the original purpose <laughs> like it, train it, it, for it a sport started in 2010 at the crossfit game <laughs> it originated. yes so for me it fits in perfectly and especially as a master's athlete the master's athletes usually the healthiest ones are the best performers funny how that how that works. yeah imagine that <laughs> it's, it's, that it's old, weird yeah availability <laughs> over ability thing but um so because I remember the games, the first games, you were all over it. Um, you know, it was just really small and felt very heavy NorCal anyway. Yeah. But um, I remember when they announced it, sort of a feeling of like, ugh, like the wind went out of my sails. So the secret great way to train for sports suddenly became very recursive. All of a sudden we were. Exactly. It was just about, can I be fit enough? Can I maintain my pull-ups all the time? Because I have to be able to, ready to test and throw down at these high-level yeah. competitions. Yeah, yeah. And then we saw the the universe go wild where people are programming two and three hour sessions in the gym. And then yeah. it got very confusing. I feel like there's been a trend of late to realize that the wor- the point of all this was to go back into the world and express your fitness. Have you felt that? that I, shift? I have. I have. Yeah. I think, I think it's largely driven by people who have been doing it for 10 plus years. At least that's, that's my sense. And maybe that's just because it's, that's my in group. I'm, I'm mostly, I mostly know only people who have been doing it for a long time. And so that's definitely my sense of it as well. And I, I think that's a welcome change to be honest. And do you think, um, the CrossFit headquarters sort of shift back to CrossFit health and 
I don't know if the de-emphasizing the games is the right way to describe it, but I think it's great personally. But I've we have we have a good masters athlete population, and they think I'm crazy that like they're going away from the games and like all this other stuff. But I, I think it's great. Now, if we're talking about how they executed it, I mean, we we can talk about that a million different ways. But I think the emphasis is a, is a really solid one. I'm, I'm totally behind it, and I don't even. I haven't talked to anyone from HQ forever. So um, yeah, but I'm, I'm all for it. What about you guys? Yeah. I mean, we, um, I think it's sort of bringing CrossFit back to its original purpose, which is, you know, being healthy and living a long life and yeah. training for sports outside the gym. Yeah. Um, so if, if, if that's sort of coming back from the top, I think that is also a welcome change. I mean, I think we have for years and I think part of it is just that, you know, I think with a games team or games individuals, you know, I think a lot of gyms like to think, I think certain gyms attract those athletes, but I also yeah. think yeah. part of it is just plain luck. You know, if you have a, you know, division one, uh, decathlete turn up in your gym that can easily transition to being a games athlete, that's just pure luck. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and we just haven't had a big population of people who are games bound. And so our focus for a long time has just been on movement quality and, sort of CrossFit for life is what we call it. Exactly. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. Yeah. And I feel like if, if CrossFit had an Achilles heel, I think that, you know, and we haven't talked about this, but you know, you've had, you have such a, a long horizon and such a, such a view of this thing um, is that people didn't really, I still think struggled with how do I use CrossFit to actually train for real sport? Right. And as soon as it came about the games, what, what Matt Frazier at all were doing is really extraordinary but there's not enough time or energy in the bank for them to actually go out and play sports. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. And, and I, I feel like that, that was one of the pieces that really got, got lost in this message is like, well, great. You can snatch 300 pounds, but you've also spent six hours in the gym today right. and there's no time for you to actually go play soccer. And, and I feel like now with this little bit of a course correction, we're starting to see people be able to wrap their heads around, hey, we can, we can train these energy systems, we can train, this can be a modern movement practice that actually supports sport, which was, again, exactly. I think the original intention. Yeah, it's that regularly learn and play new sports as like part of the original. Yeah, right, the original oh, you mean, paragraph. You mean the yeah. mission? The mission, was to, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, um, do you, I have an interesting corollary too, because um, I think it was in the, one of the early journals where he said like, uh, Glassman said like an, he used the term novice, which I think is not quite accurate, but a novice um, track athlete, if you take a novice track athlete, um, the qualities of a novice track athlete, weightlifter and gymnast, then you'll have a well-rounded athlete. My corollary is that if you take, that you can have an outstanding single sport athlete if you make them a mediocre CrossFit athlete. Yeah. And that's yeah. how and I, I think about it. I really appreciate you saying that because what we noticed was that we had some kids who would come to our gym who are all Americans in a sport and the most talented, freaky athletes we knew skateboard. Yeah. Oh, let me skateboard goofy. I can throw, I can play any game. Like you'd be my, they'd be my first pick exactly. in, in any sport. Team. And yet they were just mediocre CrossFitters. I think, I think CrossFit. That's great. <laughs> I think that's totally because it, it touches on that thing that you were just saying. Like if you, to, if you're having a single sport athlete, spend like 
considerable amounts of time in the gym to get better at something in the gym, then you're taking away from their performance and their sport. And so they're at odds with one another. At that point, you've crossed over into territory that's not appropriate for what they're trying to get out of it. And so if they're mediocre in that they move better, they've erased any kind of movement dysfunction, then that's all they need to do, really. Yeah. So Kelly sort of uh, touched on this, but I know you have multiple locations. How many do you have? And, you know, why did you decide to open more? And are you going to open even more? No, no, I'm not doing that. I'm I'm mostly (laughs) at our our main location, which is in Emeryville. I'm peripherally involved in our uptown location. You know, Tamara, she mostly runs it. Um, And then we have that in-game EGA. They've they're a normal gym. There's a perception that they're like the games side. They do have a lot of people who are into the sport of fitness over there, but um, they're they're just like they're just like any of our other three locations. They just achieved a little more success, um, and that's run by Arnold. Um, we're not. We don't have any plans for running any other. We want to make sure that these are all good. My own personal mission is to make sure that I'm kind of developing coaches and successors. Um, so that if at some point I want to step away, I have no plans of doing that at the moment. But if I do, then it'll be in good hands and it'll be a, a going concern, as the accountants say. That's a perfect um, segue into, I heard you say, hey, I picked up tennis again. So you're playing a sport more often. Yeah. And you've been CrossFitting for, I mean, almost 20, almost for 20 a long years. time. <laughs> yeah. since, since, since you can, really. Yeah. Unless exactly. you grew up knowing Greg Glassman, right? Yeah. The, exactly. The question then is, how has your own practice changed over this time? Are you still, I mean, besides you said, hey, the intensity is a little different maybe. Are there things that you don't do now that you did early? Or how has your own practice changed a little bit as you've gotten older even? Yeah, so I still, I still do everything. I mean, I don't, I, I, so when I say I don't go heavy, it's just, Relatively heavy. heavy. I don't go as heavy as I used to, but everyone, not everyone, but many people, their strength levels drop off a little bit, but I still practice heavy lifts. I still practice longer aerobic pieces. I still do mixed modal stuff. I still do. I still do all that stuff. I do. I do center it around my tennis practice. So like just common sense stuff. If I have like a match coming up on Saturday, then I don't like a Friday is just like a, a prime, a nervous system priming day. I'll maybe do some power cleans, medium heavy or something like that. I'm just throwing stuff out there. That's probably not what I actually do. But um, other than that, I don't, the movements are all the same and movement quality is way more important than how fast I'm going or how heavy I'm lifting to. Because movement quality, like I said already, the healthiest athletes are usually the best performers. So if I can clean up, if I, I can take care of my lifestyle pieces, and if I can move better than the performance, th- then I take off, I think you've used it before, I take off the brakes basically and let my tennis performance kind of kick into high, high gear. Has there been an aspect of environmental health that you think you've focused on that, you know, like, you know, obviously nutrition is a biggie, stress reduction. I mean, you are in Oakland. Are you, are you like a CBD heavy gym? Do you just put CBD cream in the chalk? <laughs> People love the CBD. I, I don't know. We think it's avocado I, I, toast for this generation. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's always something coming down the pipe <laughs> with um, 
there'll be something else in another six months. But, um, uh, God, he totally threw me for a loop with that CBD because we have people <laughs> who lose their mind over CBD at the gym and it cracks me up. Um, lifestyle pieces, making sure that I'm connecting in the real world, not on the social media world. Um, with people on a daily basis. Can I mean, we get an scandal? All right. Scandal. All yeah. right. Amen. Yeah, exactly. That's the ironic thing about social media. You know, it's not so social, actually. But um, there's a good book I'm reading now, The Coddling of the American Mind. And it talks about how, I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but how social media has kind of increased the divisions, not it hasn't broken down the walls. It's kind of put them up because people get like, they get in their in groups and then it's just a, a feedback loop among in groups and they never get the outside stressors for lack of a better term to make sure that they're, they're course correcting. And so anyway. Yeah. We, we still make people shake hands at the beginning of class, even if everyone knows each other. Yeah. It's a formal way of saying, you know, we'll put aside today. Today we're a group. We're going to go hunt. I mean, we, exactly. we, you know, we still do that. Yeah, it's how it should be. It's how it's been for millennia. But yeah. So Mike, it's been so great to talk to you. Uh, sort of what what's next for you from like a personal standpoint or business standpoint? If you sort of look at the next five years of Mike Minium, what do you see? Um, well, definitely I'm, I have, I'm trying to plan for some successors right now actively and I'm talking to someone. We have a, we have a great, great coach. As you guys know, having run a business, like really great coaches are hard to find. And we, we found one. So I'm really happy about that. So um, we'll do something with him um, trying to take the business to the le next level. And also good thing about having new coaches is they can, if you're a secure person, they can come in with new ideas and they can kind of inject energy and life into the gym. So um, in the next five years, I, I usually don't do five-year plans, but um, I'm focused on July 2020 because that's when our lease is up. So I want to, I'm doing some, lots of thinking about like the, what the gym is going to look like and are we going to make any changes and stuff like that. And then in terms of personal, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I really don't, I'm going to be... If we're going to talk about, I'll just talk about tennis since that's something I'm heavily involved in. I was, 2018 was a washout year. I didn't play in a single tournament. 2017, I was um, the number eight, 45 to 49 player in the, in NorCal. And so I want to finish higher than that this year. So we'll say in the immediate term at the end of 2019, I'm going to be higher ranked than eighth in NorCal. Do those people even realize how, how fit and strong you are across the net? I mean, you are a mutant. You've always been a mutant. And I, <laughs> one of the things that I want to just leave with is you have always eaten your own cooking and practiced what you preached, which I think is, you know, is really remarkable in terms of, especially in fitness business, that you are a user and you've always fought for the users, Mike. For sure. Yeah, that's what, that's what my mission is. Well, it's so fun to talk to you. Thank you so much for uh Telling us your story. Minnie, and, and thanks for being like the Carl Rove of Kelly Starrett and giving me my start. Uh, yeah, I, I think you would have done fine without that little session. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, anytime. Uh, thanks. Good talking to you guys. Thanks so much. One last question. Yes. Where can people find you if they, if they want to track you down? Uh, then go to our website, probably our Instagram page, CrossFit Oakland. Um, 
is the user account. All, all the normal places. Great. Um, yep. Thanks, Mike. Mike, you're the best. Great to hear, uh, boys. Okay, thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to The Ready State. If you like what you're hearing, check out all of our episodes here or at mobilitywad.com. The Ready State is the podcast of mobilitywad.com, where we've assembled the world's most comprehensive database of guided movement mechanics and mobility videos, all with the goal to help improve performance and eliminate pain. Each motivated by the simple idea that all human beings should be able to perform basic maintenance on themselves. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under mobilitywad. That's W-O-D as in workout of the day. Till next time, cheers, everyone. You got it. You better stop it. You got it. Kelly Starrett is a New York Times bestselling author of Becoming a Supple Leopard and Ready to Run. He's a coach, a physical therapist, an athlete, and an innovator who works with elite athletes as well as everyday people who just want to be healthier and happier in their lives. Juliette Starrett is a co-founder and CEO of both San Francisco CrossFit and Mobility Wad, co-founder of StandUpKids.org, a writer, an entrepreneur, and a world champion athlete. Our theme music was provided by Rogue Wave. You got it!